I'm a narrow cat, no wide flows. African descent, that's why I got the wide nose. With my kinky hair and black skin, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And that's in the image of a god that is beautiful. And whose infinite word is immutable. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of HBCU, where, where we are healing brown communities unconditionally. You're here with your host, Akima. You can follow me on all social media platforms at Princess Akima. Peace and love, family. This is Macau Haleen. You can follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Macau Haleen underscore wellness. Awesome. Macau, how you doing today, sir? I am doing fantastic. Um, the weather is blowing me a little bit. Um, I'm not a fan of winter, but we'll we'll manage. We'll manage. But no, other than that, though, on a serious note, I'm doing fine. And yourself? Um, I'm doing okay. Going? And I and I, I have a very similar sentiment. I'm I'm not looking forward to this uh, East Coast uh, winter that's approaching us, nor all the drama that it's going to bring. So I'm trying to keep myself in a good and high spirit. So if any of our wonderful listeners have um, suggestions, y'all go ahead and hit me up on social media. You know, I'm going to be doing extra, extra yoga, extra oiling, extra crystals, extra all the good, good <laughs> stuff. But um, y'all got some uh, tidbits on how to get through these winters. Um, y'all help out. Listen, y'all, we are super excited. Um, we're always excited, but we're extra excited because, you know, we're going to be talking about a topic that, um, like, as, as with most of our topics, it's funny. I want to be like, well, this is a topic we really should be talking about. But you guys know our goal here with HBCU is to help um, our community reach to, you know, higher potential. Like, we are always looking to go a step more. And so tonight, this morning, we're going to be talking about uh, generational wealth and physical health. And if you've never considered that those two were connected, well, we're going to play a little game of connect the dots, you know, like the kids. Um, I don't know if kids still do this. Um, I ain't got no kids for y'all who are listening. So I don't know if your kids might still play connect the dots. I don't know. But we're going to talk about generational wealth and how it impacts our physical health. Um, because you know, you know how McCall and I like to do, we like to start off with a definition so that you, um, so you understand where, where we're coming from with this. So by definition, generational wealth represents assets that are passed down from one generation to the next. So keep in mind, if you can leave behind a notable inheritance to your descendants, that constitutes generational wealth. People who inherit generational wealth have a significant financial advantage over those who do not. And like the source, and that definition definitely just came over from our friends at google.com. Okay, um, and I'm gonna add to your definition that came up. We are also going to tie in and connect the dot of economics to generational wealth. And economics simply means the use of one's time and energy, the use of one's time and energy. Um, when you hear the word economics or economy, you know, it's very common um, for people to think about money and to think that the definition of economics is directly tied to a value, a value system of money. Um, now, they are related. They are extremely closely related. However, when it comes down to the development of economics as an industry, um, you are actually looking at the time and use. I'm sorry, you're looking at how people are, are using their time and energy um, to bring about what we would call change 
I'm sorry, uh, income or or some kind of financial uh, um, growth or management or so so forth. And that's why we go to work. You know, you exchange your actual physical time for a paycheck. Man, listen, y'all know we just want to drop the bomb right at the start of the show because why not? So imagine, right, like you could probably sit here and think about your own life or your parents, your grandparents. There's going to be someone that you can think of and you're thinking like, man, am I just trying to survive? And that's what I was hearing when Mikhail was talking about the word economics, you know. And it's funny because if you took economics in um, college, I think a lot of us, depending upon if you were like a finance, accounting, or business major, which I was none of those, I would tell you if I would have heard that word economics, I would have instantly thought about finances. I wouldn't have thought about how I spend my time. But when I think about the idea of generational wealth, and the fact that like, I didn't have any given to me, you know, um, for so many different reasons. And we may get to those tonight. We may not, we'll see how this conversation goes, but having to spend your entire life to just pay bills or trying to spend your entire life to pay off debt or trying to spend your entire life, like what kind of like toil that puts you in and you're not free, you know? Um, and Honestly, it's like a modern day. I hate to say this because I know when people hear y'all know what I'm getting. Well, use the word. Throw the word out there. (laughs) Disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. It sounds like modern day slavery, and I know people are gonna like maybe come for me like, "No, that's not slavery, Kima," because you know we were being beaten and we were being starved and we were being raped as a people. So I am not trying to belittle what um, generations before me went through. So I just want to make sure I put that out there. But when I think about not having control of my time and having to do a particular act and that being driven by other people, my mind kind of drifted there a little bit. So that's one reason why I bring that up, y'all. And so, you know, I'm not going to go into the history of, of why we, well, I want to say why we don't have, because we, we as um, Black folks here in the Northwest Hemisphere, um, what you said is very relevant, Akima. And, you know, because I too have a story, you know, grandmother, great grandmother, um, and nothing has seemed to trickle down through the generations um, that has that's been able to sustain the family moving forward. And, um, you know, I just encourage everybody to research just the history of, of how this nation was developed on the, on the backs of, of Africans. And um, coming out of the Civil War, why? The why, you know, black and brown folks find themselves struggling and trying to catch and play catch up so to speak uh when it comes to building generational wealth yeah and it's funny mccall because it's like we're pl- we're both playing catch up with trying to build that financial generational wealth but it's funny when you say on the backs of you know african people because you would think that a people group that was you know forced to use so much like a physical labor would be healthier but when we think about the way our bodies function they also need rest and they need certain nutrients and they need there are certain things that help this body to function in such a way and so when you keep pushing and you're being forced and you keep pushing and you're forcing there really isn't time for those things to happen this is all tying back to how generational wealth and physical health because it's like <laughs> They're, 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 they're all in one guys. And so guys and gals, you know, I'm not excluding anyone, but when you think about that, and as you were saying that, it's like, yeah, they're, 
if there is no time to rest, I mean, physical rest, mental rest, the body cannot and will not function the way that it's supposed to. Um, something else that I was thinking about too, when we think about surviving, I can't help but think about how, um, you know, parents aren't necessarily being afforded the amount of time needed spent with their children. And I know um, for those of you out there, you're like, well, we in the middle of this quarantine, I'm spending too much time with my children. I want them to go back to school. That's not what I mean. You know, we can't quantify what's been happening in the last, you know, six months to what's been going on for generations. And when you think about the amount of time that a parent typically spends away from their child because that child is in school, being educated and reared by other individuals, then that child comes home and that parent may not be there. And then when that parent is rushing home from that job and they are having to barely get food and things like done, they're not having enough time to educate that child on how to take care of their physical health. And the rat race that they're in really won't afford them necessarily the, the time to do that. And then you, you'll see that same habit potentially being built in that next generation. Absolutely. And uh, just so you guys know, I am the father of a black male teenager. Um, so what it came to saying is very relevant again, uh, because how much time, there's an economic relationship between myself and my child and um, how much time I'm able to spend with him. And it came up while you were talking, I just kind of jotted down another, another phrase here that I have uh, subscribed to within my family structure, so to speak. And that is modeling over mentoring. And um, the way that relates to the use of time and energy, um, you know, when you come home from work and you're tired, you've been, you've, you've given eight hours of your time, um, which has actually been set with a cap. That's what the economy does to black folks. It puts a cap on our economic value as human beings. Um, but when you come home and you're so tired, you know, effective parenting, we often think is coming up with rules and regulations for children. And that often comes with conversation. So, you know, if the child uh, brings home a bad grade, this is just a hypothetical, you know, bad grade, you know, you're going to have some kind of sit down typically around the dinner table where you're going to say, well, you know, when I was your age, we used to study like this. We used to do things like this when we were in school. But I'm noticing um, as we progress through this uh, constant struggle and, you know, once again, we're, we're, we're behind in a race, in an economic race globally, I'm, I'm noticing that it is the actual modeling, and I'm, this is for myself, this is my own personal account, it's the modeling that I feel has been missing from my family, specifically. My mother has told us for years and years and years to save, um, but it wasn't until I was in my early 30s came that I didn't understand what saving meant or yeah. how it actually looked. Yeah, now that's... um. That's really good. And that, listen, I'm just going to echo something that Mikhail just said. I know y'all heard it, but I want to make sure for somebody that might have like turned their ear off for half a second. Modeling over mentoring. And I, so we're talking about generational wealth, but one of the root words, one of the root words is generation. And I think about how like in certain, um, 
nationalities and certain cultures, how there are multi-generations that are living within either a particular uh, vicinity of one another and even in some cases within the same home. And so even for that parent who may be ripping and running, imagine if there were a grandparent or an auntie or someone else who could assist with that modeling. But again, you know, sometimes those grandparents aren't going to be around. They're not going to be there because whether they've had poor health where it's taken them out and they've transitioned earlier than maybe their body would have had they had the time, space, and resources to take care of themselves better. I mean, I'm just putting some hypotheticals out there. You all can um, do with that what you will. But I think about that whole collective and that whole like, oh, raising the village. But like if everybody in the village got to be doing the same ripping and running, then who is there to model for the child? And all that child has the potential of seeing is just more ripping and running. And then they turn into that same individual. So, you know, Mikhail, I, um, I admire that you're taking control of that in this generation, because I think about with you doing that for your son in the future, he'll do that same thing for, you know, his children. And so now you start to create, that's how culture is taught. Anyone who's heard me talk about culture off of this podcast and that you don't talk culture, you show and you demonstrate culture. That's how we learn things. You know, I know how to cook amazingly. Hopefully everyone gets to taste my food one of these days. Um, it's because I watched my mother cook and I participated with her as she was doing it. She, I don't have a recipe book. You know, I don't have, nothing's written. Actually, West Indians don't write nothing down. You better just learn quick and <laughs> there. That's it. You know, there are no books. There are no note cards, okay? <laughs> you were kind of being taught on the run. But speaking on the run, so, and I'm not picking on parents. There's just so many good examples to use. So we're talking about this parent. And Makai mentioned eight hours, but look, truth be told, that parent is out of the home probably 11 hours, you know, because we're thinking about that hour, hour and a half of them trying to maybe get to where they're going and that hour, hour and a half getting back from where they're going. And yeah, I know some of y'all listening like, nah, I came in this quarantine. I, I'm here all day with my child. Well, kudos to you all who have been able to be home with your children, because I have to tell you, I know a lot of individuals who've had to leave their um, remote learning child at home by themselves because the job that they have is not at a desk and they are not teleworking and they're still having to go out there and even more so that child is being left on their own. Um, I'm just thinking about what is accessible in certain neighborhoods. So I can't help but think about things such as, you know, the the corner stores and the food deserts. And again, it's like, now, Kima, they, they're gentrification, they're changing that. Well, no, they're changing the... Um, individuals living in particular neighborhoods and then they're changing the types of stores or vice versa but you understand what I'm saying with the change of stores comes a change of people who are being served and so I'm thinking about individuals who are in these um, situations where they haven't had the generational wealth and then they're living in certain circumstances and when we think about healing these people we have to heal their financial situation and we need to help their bodies to heal by giving them access to certain foods and when that access isn't there because like who has time to go out of their way to try to grab something that's of semblance of healthy when they can just run to a you know a corner store and a lot of the neighborhoods that I frequent I see this all the time I see people going into the um, the carryouts with the plexiglass and they're going in there every day and all these um, neighborhoods where there are um, the liquor stores and as soon as they open at 12 o'clock people are already there like already in the middle of the day. And I'm not talking about like, well, you should never drink alcohol. I mean, is that your first stop of the day? So there's just so, there's just so, there's just so much that we can kind of unveil with all of this. And um, 
you know, that is a very interesting point that you just brought up. Um, you know, on previous shows, those of you all who are familiar with this, with us on this platform, um, Akima has often mentioned that I am a school teacher, which I am. Um, and I say that because I live currently in a food desert and I intentionally moved. I don't want to say I intentionally moved to a food desert, but I wanted to be involved and physically present to model, so to speak, and to become a part of the neighborhood in which my kids, you know, they live and they learn as well. And um, so anyway, the reason I say that is because uh, I live in Washington, I'm sorry, right on the outskirts of Washington, D.C., technically, I mean, literally right on the line. But when I'm driving into work, and of course, this was before all the quarantine and all that kind of thing, but you see it every morning because we still go out. What the king said is spot on. There are, and, and guys and girls, this is not girls, y'all ain't, y'all grown. Um, I, I was going to get them. I was going to get them. I was going to see if he was going <laughs> to catch himself. Right, guys and girls, ladies and gentlemen. That's that um, school teacher. Okay, boys and girls. <laughs> <laughs> but I just want to paint a picture of what a food desert neighborhood looks like where resources are lacking. Now, um, to, to make this tangible, my my neighborhood currently, no exaggeration, when I walk out, jump in my truck and I drive to work, I'm going to pass one, two, three, four. And I'm talking about within a 1.5 mile radius. And I'm going to pass four liquor stores. Now, the second thing that Akima said that's relevant is the time that these so-called businesses are open. I mean, I mean, Akima, this mystified me. Last school year, when I was driving into work, we had to be to work at 8.30. So, you know, on days where, I mean, I was moving, I'm rolling, I, I got up and I took care of everything, and I'm coming into work early. I'm thinking I'm early coming into work. And it's like 8.10, 10 after 8 in the morning. Liquor stores are open. Mm-hmm. There's no grocery store. Nope. And the liquor store is open. And so it just makes me wonder about the power that we are lacking when it comes to developing uh, agriculture and industry and services and resources that are going to help sustain our people moving forward. Oh, my gosh. And listen, I know y'all like, nah, look at store open, Macau, because, um, you know, I, I got to go to the ATM real quick, get the kids some lunch money, right? You're like, yeah, okay. So the, the 5% of y'all who went to the liquor store to go get to the ATM, we're talking about the other 95% that are in there, whether they're purchasing liquor, whether they're buying chips. I ain't calling out these companies, but it's all some trash and it's not doing nothing for us, y'all. So again, generational wealth, physical health, you know, I started thinking about like, you know, there just isn't time to take care of yourself. You know, when, 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 I, when someone says like, oh, okay, I'm gonna do something healthy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of myself. You know, what are the things that we think about? We think about, oh, I'm gonna go exercise. I'm going to uh, purchase and eat fresh foods. I'm going to spend downtime for rest and relaxation. But again, when you are, you know, we laugh as, as I, I was about to say surviving and y'all, you know, I'm not going to sing, but I started thinking about um, the TV show, Good Times. And I know this will resonate with some of our listeners, you know, scratching oh, and surviving, right? Mm-hmm. And we love it. We love it. I mean, first of all, the show was amazing. Hanging in the child. I, I got to say hanging in the child line. Real, mm-hmm. One time for everybody who never knew that line. I don't know if anybody was watching Dave Chappelle back in the day. <laughs> 
But that was one of the most confusing lines. I know I digressed this whole conversation. You fine, you fine. Hanging in a towel line. That is what was going on on Good Times. You want to find hanging out in the towel line? You know, I'm thinking because Good Times took place in Chicago. And what's interesting, Akima, is <laughs> when you live in one hood, you live in every hood. And one of my favorite hip-hop rap groups is the Ghetto Boys. They're from Houston, Texas. And um, they've got a song called The World is a Ghetto. And I used to love that song because, you know, the older I get, I see whether I go from D.C. to Baltimore to Miami, Florida to Atlanta, Georgia. Um, you turn on the news and you see stuff going on in St. Louis and Louisville, Kentucky. Mm-hmm. It does not matter. But anyway, that concept of hanging in a child line, to me, it figuratively represents that struggle. And no, we don't use the terminology child line here in the DMV, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. But we understand, you know, everyone had a grandmother who, who woke us up on a Saturday to take us somewhere on the first of the month to grab a box of food with that big old block of government cheese and all those kind of things so that we can just sustain. We're talking about sustaining. We're not talking about being poor. We're talking about sustaining the family with the resources and the things that are made available to us. So when Good Times was, that theme was put together, the concept of hanging in the child line, which still exists big time, um, more so spoke to our desire and our ability to access what we needed in order to survive and get through that day. Absolutely. And oh my gosh. And so I'm going to just go to the other side, like the other side of the the, the um, train tracks. I'm going to go to the other side of the train tracks. And I started thinking about, you know, people going on like, oh, I'm going to go on a retreat. I'm going to go on a sabbatical. I'm going to take some me time. I'm going to go do these things. Do y'all know how much it costs for some me time? Do y'all know? Like the reason why everyone is, so we're in 2020 and at the time of this um, podcast being recorded and everyone's fighting for some me time and some self-care. Self-care is the new hashtag self-care. But what does self-care look like when you broke? Who in the chow line, hello somebody, got time for some self-care? When you are just trying to make sure that your rent is paid, you and your children um, have something to eat, who has time? Who has time for that? You know, and so um, though that may not be my situation, I can't help but like, honestly, it breaks my heart because I know that there is such a financial divide between different ones and how it's impacting people's ability to have any semblance of um of, of physical health now let's um as you all know we are going to leave you all with tools for for healing and in this case talking about building and developing industry and agriculture and um one thing i listen to you all will always hear me drop the name of the podcasts or the old lectures that are currently up on certain social media platforms that I often engage to access information um, regarding, you know, healing our communities and moving forward and what's happened to us and what we need to consider. And um, Dr. John Henry Clark, who's one of my absolute favorites, um, he said something very interesting about the civil rights movement and where our communities failed coming out of the 60s. He said, we did a really good job, and I'm paraphrasing, guys, but 
he said, we did a really good job of making noise. We made a lot of noise. We got everybody's attention. You know, you had brothers walking around with shirts saying, I am a man, almost in the same capacity. It's interesting how history repeats itself mm -hmm. because now we have all the athletes and we've got uh, black and brown folks globally wearing shirts that say Black Lives Matter, almost in this mirroring the same capacity that black men had to wear T-shirts that said, I am a man in the 1960s. Now, we got a lot of attention on now that look, front. We're going to touch that on another podcast because that's a whole conversation right there. Absolutely. That's a whole other conversation. Um, which, again, like John Henry Clark said, you know, much respect to our elders and ancestors who, um, who were alive and, and functioning and, and putting that activism together back then. Now, we have to be able to, this is where we got to put on our hats of, of emotional maturity and comb through the details of steps that we could have possibly missed um, so that we can cover those things, dot those I's, cross those T's moving forward. And what John Henry Clark said that we failed to do coming out of the civil rights movement, we, we failed to do two things, plan and build. We failed to plan and build. So once we got everyone's attention, that was great, but we had absolutely no plan for ourselves and how to move forward from that point. And you'll find that's where um, government entities really ramped up efforts to quiet us. And um, they did that politically, they did that economically, they've done that in, in religion. And I mean, I'm talking about all nine areas of people activity, which starts with economics, coincidentally. And I'll just run those off real quick for you all who wanna know what the nine areas of, I'm sorry, people activity are. Um, in alphabetical order, they are economics, education, entertainment, labor, law, politics, religion, sex, and war. And so what we're moving forward with, um, now we'll bring up a brother, Dr. Claude Anderson. Mm -hmm. Dr. Claude Anderson, um, he is, he's, he's still around. Uh, uh, thank the good Lord that he's still around because this is one of the wisest men um, that I've encountered in terms of actually coming up with a plan. So it's just like, you know, Kim, we have all this conversation. What we don't get and what went wrong? Why we don't have this and why we don't have that? What the community looks like right now? Okay, so this is what I was saying with the emotional intelligence part. Dr. Anderson, he wrote a book called Powernomics with a P, Powernomics. And he introduced five floors as if we were developing a building and we were constructing an actual building. And he said that this building moving forward for black and brown folks globally needs to have five established floors. And real quick, if I could just run through those, the first floor coincidentally in this conversation is economics. And the way that we um, develop economics is by managing and gaining control or regaining control of our use of time and energy. Absolutely, because it's funny, because even listening to how our conversation is growing, I can't help but think about the word freedom. You know, and so when we think that we're experiencing freedom, but like, what is freedom? Um, and how economics and the word freedom, not that they're synonymous, but they're daggone near close for me as you're talking. We don't own our time. We don't own a lot of things. And again, that's another conversation that we'll probably get into on the podcast later. 
but we don't own our time. We don't have freedom. And so others are able to drive. And literally where you think you're free and you're in control, you really are not free and you're not in control. And we're still being ran by those um, those nine areas. I'm so glad that you brought that up too. And the fact that y'all know, the fact that he brought it up alphabetically, that teaching him just had to roll out for a hot second. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Always. So, so when I... Hey, listen, teach, brother, teach, teach. I love it. But um, yeah, we need we need to gain, and when I say gain control. I really want us to focus on getting free. You know, I think getting free is going to um, be a benefit not only to our own lives, but it's going to be a benefit to those who are to come, or for those who are here, but they're now being brought up in this because that whole idea of like making a lot of noise. And I think the way Mikhail, I've heard you say this before, it's like, you know, let's do, um, if I can, can I quote Mikhail? Uh, I'm going to say <laughs> less, uh, the less march and more building. That building piece is like, that thing is pivotal. That is so pivotal. And I think that that happens now because, and it's almost like when something tragic nationally happens, right? We get into a place of like, oh man. And then like all this attention goes to one, area and then like the excitement of it the shock of it kind of and it dwindles down and then we're just sitting and kind of waiting and it's kind of falling into those people areas as you mentioned and then something else happens and then all the attention runs over here and we make a lot of noise and then we kind of dwindle down opposed to the idea of like can we actually come together and work on building something and building takes time you know, so that's not a thing that's going to be quick. But I think if we're talking about building generational wealth and building up our communities and building, you know, grocery stores, you know what I mean? Getting out of these food deserts and building, um, building up these ourselves, building up men and women who can then model for these children that are to, um, that are coming. Like, can we do all of these things and, be willing to walk out and take the time that's necessary looking not looking for the quick fix or i think a term that um we use a lot you know the mcdonaldization you know like we just want things mm -hmm. like quick and fast opposed to that which we take time to build is gonna more likely sustain and so that's one of i think a takeaway that i'd want anyone listening to this it's like well we don't have the generational wealth it's impacting our ability to take care of ourselves therefore it's harming our physical health what can we do we can take some time to build absolutely and um i want to just talk quickly to what i call the codification codification of behavior because um, we're still talking about the use of the time and energy. And I just want to make a tangible point. So, you know, Mikhail, what do you mean, you know, get my time back? What do you mean? Um, one thing that has plagued our community and has confused us and how we interact and engage with one each other is area number eight. Area number eight of the people activity list, which is sex. And I brought that up um, because something as simple as how we engage each other sexually and I'm talking about, this could be a husband and a wife. I'm not talking about, you know, some random raunchy uh, sexual encounter, but I'm just talking about, you know, people who feel that they uh, engage in sexual activity responsibly. Um, we often do it too much. So there's certain things, we, we do an over, we have an overexposure of, of certain phenomenon in our lives. 
And um, the reason I brought up sex is because for men, and it came, I'm sure that you can speak to how sex impacts women. When you talk about time and energy and I'm nutrients. I'm going to talk about how it impacts and, men too, but I'm going to let woo! you go ahead. Woo! When I tell you that takes something out of you, because you all have to consider, you know, we often don't think about what the purpose of sexual activity is when we sit down or lay down, so to speak, and, and engage in this behavior. It's to create a human life. You all, this is to create an actual human life. That is the design of sexual activity. And I'm not saying that every time you have sex, you know, um, we're going to be making babies. But you, we can't get too far away from purpose. And that's really where I'm going with this, mm-hmm. more so than actual sex itself. What is the purpose? And how are we even approaching how we're using that? And real quick, if I could just, a suggestion that was made by Dr. Frances Cress Welsing. Dr. Frances Cress Welsing. She made a list of strategies um, for uses of time and energy and how we can get our time and energy back. And when she came to sex, I thought it was very profound of her. She made a suggestion that Black folks in North, I'm sorry, in the Northwest Hemisphere should only consider sexual activity no more than two times a week so that we have the energy. And this is where I'm going with this. As a man, if I come home and let's just say I worked late, I get in the house at 9 p.m., I eat late, I finally take a shower, I get settled. Uh, My lady and I are preparing for, for sexual activity, and now it's 11.30 p.m., and I've got to be at work at 8 a.m. the next morning. That's a poor decision. That's a poor decision. Um, you know, and now we've get, we're going into the, the entertainment dynamic of this because, you know, how we have sex and how we engage each other comes in. You know, some people set the lights. Just think about all the things that people do to set up the ambiance around sexual activity. It takes time and energy. And then once that's just the setup, but once the physical act is done, as a man, you need, and I'll say this for a lot of men who probably don't even know, your body needs 18 to 24 hours just to recover the nutrients that you lose during an ejaculation. I'm going to say that one more time. A man needs 18 to 24 hours just for his body to recover the nutrients that he is really giving away. I don't want to say lose because, you know, it's a voluntary act, but 18 to 24 hours just for his body to recover those nutrients. And listen, y'all, I promise what Mikhail just brought up, we're going, I'm, I'm taking notes as he's talking, but uh, you guys know I'm a holistic health practitioner. And man, this is your genioterry system. Um, I talked to uh, Mikhail, thank you. And, I, and it's funny because I'm going a, I'm to a loop it back around to generational wealth before we um, wrap up here. But I talk with men about this all the time and the toll that it takes on your body. And so, you know, I have these young men, late 20s, early 30s coming in to see me and they're trying to figure out why they're so tired. And more times than not that after an exam, it's like, oh, yeah, and I can tell them. And then I start telling them why. And then, of course, they start to confirm for me, oh, mm, yeah, well, I am. Mm -hmm." And they don't even realize the toll that it takes. But I promise you, we'll we'll get into some of the um, 
the biology, anatomy, science of all of that, I think that's worth a conversation is when we're thinking about healing. Um, but why that comes back to generational wealth, the, what's, what, all the things that Mikhail just brought up, wisdom, okay? So we talk about modeling, we're talking about how we spend our time, how we honor our relationships and our partners, we have to exercise some wisdom there, you know? So how can I exercise wisdom? Because the goal and the purpose not the sole purpose, but one of the things that I'm focused on as I am living this life is helping to build generational wealth. And in the long run, that's going to help me. And it's going to help everyone else that's coming behind me with physical health. So guys, listen, we know this conversation could go on and on. We look forward to the feedback um, on this particular topic. And um, yeah, we're going to dig into a few other, um, a few other components. Just remember, generational wealth, physical health, they're all super tied into one another. And hopefully we help to build, um, not even, we didn't even peel back all the layers today, but I hope that you guys um, are starting to make that connection as you're thinking about it. Makai, did you want to um, say anything else as we're closing out here? Absolutely. As always, you all, I want you all to do two things. One is read, read. Um, those of you all who even follow me, once again, I'm gonna drop that. Um, Mikhail Halim underscore wellness on Facebook and Instagram. But um, I'll make my IG uh, little videos. And that's one thing I always encourage everyone to do is read. Um, just inform yourself. Inform yourself um, because what Akeem and I say may not necessarily always be tangible for you specifically. But the, the idea of where we're going, we want, we want our people to think about how we are, are using our time. And, you know, we've wasted time. We've wasted a lot of time. A lot of it has not been um, due to our own, you know, our own understandings of what's going on or lack of understanding of what's going on. But moving forward, um, I guess I, I will leave you all with this. Measure each detail of your thought, speech, and action for constructive value. Measure each detail of your thought, because what you think turns into what you say, and what you say turns into what you ultimately will do. So if you can catch it at the thought level and determine whether or not it is constructive or non-constructive, I feel that we will start seeing um, better results in our community. Absolutely. So with that, um, thanks, you guys, for listening to another episode here of HBCU, where we're looking to um, get our folks um, we're reaching to higher potential. So for Kima and Mikhail Haleen. All right, we'll catch you next time. Peace out, y'all. Peace. Peace.